highly pleased in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God. 
You may be seated this morning. Did you notice the beautiful arrangement of flowers on the altar this morning? Indeed, they're there to celebrate the 50th wedding anniversary of Mark and Sue Barham. So happy anniversary to you all. It's a great joy. And we're continuing to pray for Mark in his time of recovery after surgery. Continue also in your prayers for David Rodabaugh, who's uh, rehabbing as well. I'm sure you are aware of others within your circle of family and friends that need God's healing touch today. Those struggling with tough decisions, um, struggling with a sense of purpose in their life, their meaning of their belonging, we lift them up now. Let us pray. Oh God, we live in the shadow of your protection. You are the Most High who shelters us. You are our refuge. You are our fortress. For that reason, we praise you. We sing glory to your holy name. It saves us. But we do not always live the life of hope in your abundance. We seek after other things, pursuing other things, that we hope will give us a sense of grounding, importance. And in doing so, in pursuing these earthly goods, we often ignore others right around our gates. We may celebrate our own special occasions, but give no regard to those who have nothing to eat right next door. Within the ease of our lives, ease of technology, we may not pay attention to the toil, the struggle of many in this world with nothing. So for this sense of stinginess or our unawareness, we pray for your forgiveness and fill us with new sight, generosity that we might reflect your grace, O oh Lord. As your spirit gave wisdom to the figures of scripture, so may it fill us, apostles of the present day, so that in all things we may make a good confession of Christ as Lord with our lives. Because we've been called to be a reflection of Jesus. We implore your compassion for those among us who are brought low by disease, mental illness, lack of employment, distress, and unrest of any kind. And we pray you would raise them up, Lord. Show them, show them your salvation. Give them refuge. Reveal your shelter. In your faithfulness, be their shield. Remove from them the terror of the night and give them peace. We pray you will hear our cries, Lord, our petitions. We offer them in the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Listen to God's word and the New Testament lesson, which is from Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was being tormented. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tongue of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that, they may, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses. And the prophets, they should listen to him. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Sermon now. Good morning. How's it going? Anything in particular fun happened yesterday? Anything, uh, oh yes, how did, the, did that go well? Excellent, yeah, you learned some things? Yeah, did you run around a little bit? Make some noise? That's cool. My favorite thing this week is I went to a food truck and uh, this food truck served donuts, like these yummy sugary donuts and we got a s'more donut, it was so good. So it was like five or six donuts and they, oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. 
I got I got this reminder on because uh, it's Bev Riffle's birthday tomorrow, and I need to write her a card. So I'm sorry about that. So these donuts, they're like chocolate, and they had marshmallow on top and like graham crackers sprinkled in, and so you could dip them into the fudge and like just smother it on your face, and it was just delicious. And they were Anna's, but I ate most of them, so it was so fun. Oh, sorry. What is it? Forget that. All right, so anyways, so what were we saying? Donuts, that's right. So, hmm, I had some donut holes yesterday. Can you believe this? I'm a big fan of donuts. I had pumpkin donut holes. I had cinnamon. I had glazed and more chocolate. And I think there was a fifth kind of blueberry. But we don't talk about much about the blueberry. But the cinnamon, the cinnamon was so good. And the, I think, I don't know, maybe the glazed. Do you guys hear something? What is that? Oh, it's that alarm again. I'm sorry about this. Jeez, dismissed. Turn that off. That by the, the third time it was going on, I just pretty much forgot it was even over there, you know? Have you ever pushed the snooze button on an alarm clock so many times that you're like, don't even hear it going off anymore? Uh, I've done that before. An alarm goes off, quiet, 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 and then... You forget that it's there. Oh my goodness. That reminds me of that story we just heard. This guy was laying on the ground in front of a man's house and the man had tons and tons of donuts and other food. And this man was laying in front of his porch hungry and every day he would go out to work and would just step over him almost like he forgot he was there. He was there every day. So after a few weeks, he's like, Yep, still there. Let me just step over him. And so he kind of ignored him. Kind of like my alarm. After it just keeps going off and off, I just like ignore it. Don't listen to it. And I think I think God has a little lesson for us there, that there are some things in our life that we uh, we tend to ignore. Things that Jesus is asking us to do. And after a while, we just kind of don't listen and don't listen. And then it kind of just disappears and we haven't given it any more thought and but today whew, that that rich guy got a wake-up call because he was in a place that was not comfortable at all and had no donuts as far as i know and so jesus says wake up i'm sending you signs you have the bible you have your friends you have kss you have all these ways of learning about me pay attention don't snooze don't just keep turning it off and ignoring it, or you'll miss the yummy blessing I have for you. So today's about waking up. I need to hear that. Wake up, Pastor David. Don't push your snooze. God's trying to tell you something. And it will be even better than donuts, what God has to give us. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your constant reaching for us, getting our attention, inviting us to do great things around our communities, loving other people well, loving our siblings well, worshiping with all of our energy, learning about you. Forgive us when we ignore these things, when it's like pushing the snooze and we just skip right over it. But wake us up to see what you are doing in our lives so we can celebrate. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
If I had been good, I would have actually brought you some donuts, but I'm not good, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Next time. That wasn't really the point, though. That wasn't the point. <laughs> so this, this past Friday was uh, the homecoming football game for uh, my kid's school, for Plainfield, and Anna wanted to go and see some of the pregame festivities. You know, they had a little carnival and parade and lots of excitement. So I decided to meet the family there. And so I parked and I was walking over in the midst of the crowd looking for a fifth grade spunky girl who would be making friends with anybody within 20 feet of her, trying to track her down. But then I saw the marching band and they were kind of, the drum line was like calling to attention and starting, starting their rhythm down the street. And then I noticed uh, the, like the homecoming court kind of doing last touches on their hair, practicing their smiles as their chauffeurs were getting ready to drive them off. And then I noticed little kids scurrying around like squirrels, finding lost nuts, grabbing candy as it was thrown out into the parade. And all this was going on, and it was exciting. And then I heard this noise over on my right, David, David. And I was like, what? And it was Cindy, it was my wife, she's right next to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was looking for you, forgot about that. I was like, where's Anna? She's like, right in front of us. You walked right, you know, right, right past us. You looked right at us and walked right past us. You've never done anything like that, have you? No, just kind of oblivious to the things around you, distracted by the periphery losing focus on maybe what you were looking for in the first place. Sometimes when I'll go on a drive to an unfamiliar spot, I'll turn on the car GPS, of course. Although if I put it on mute, I'm in trouble. I mean, there's the image there, but it's not talking to me. And so I will be carrying on a conversation with whoever's in shotgun, and the map will be showing me directly where I need to go, but. I'll miss a turn. And my other GPS, a.k.a. my teenage son in the back seat, will be, Dad, we missed another turn. The GPS just told us the turn. Why even have it on if you're not going to look at it? Which I haven't found a real good answer to that question yet. But that's a profound truth. We fail to see when we're not looking. In college, I attended McKendry United Methodist Church. It was seated in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. It had a passion for ministry to the people who resided in the city. And they participated with a number of other church churches in an outreach ministry called Room in the Inn. Room in the Inn started in the mid-1980s with a pastor serving some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to the homeless in Nashville. And then it blossomed into a ministry of 200 plus churches, which offer hospitality and housing uh, during the winter for a number of homeless in the city. And I vaguely remember volunteering for Room in the Inn. Uh, individuals would enter into the lower level of McKendry Church, just kind of closed off to the rest of the facility. But we would have a, a dinner provided there. We would bring out these cots out of closets that they could sleep on. 
the temporary guests would leave early in the morning with a with a, a sack lunch in ham that we would prepare. So as a volunteer, we were there just to provide presence, to socialize, I mean, to, to watch over the program. And as a college student, you know, staying up at night, well, that was just like routine. That was just part of the practice. You know, a ministry like Room in the Inn, it comes with great compliment, like, oh, this is making an impact in lives of people who are struggling. But it also comes with a lot of criticism doesn't it? There was a similar ministry in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which led the neighbors to complain that the church was doing this. You know, the homeless overnight guests were too close to their own neighborhood. They didn't like that. Um, eventually, complaints rolled out to the city council, which formed a task force into looking in to the homelessness, homelessness problem which I'm actually a supporter of looking into the homelessness problem if it means seeing the homeless, you know, bring bought to awareness of these individuals, familiarizing ourselves with their faces and their stories, learning their names, for whatever different reasons have led them to this time and predicament of tenuous housing. Before I helped out at room in the inn. I knew homelessness was a problem in Nashville. Terrible problem. But when I started to talk to, hear the names of some folks, well, that, that changed how I could see. I was beginning to see things on purpose. The rich fella in our story has no interest in seeing at this point. Every day on the way out of his gated community, he just steps right over a poor guy covered in sores, paying him no attention. I mean, it's not like the man in poverty was shielded by a grove of trees. He was huddled beneath an interstate overpass. He was sheltered by a church courtyard. No, he was in plain sight. He's, he's right there on the pathway where the rich guy and everybody else can see him. But maybe he is so familiar they just don't notice him there anymore. Or maybe there are so many other distractions for our rich man that he just looked everywhere else. You know, there's not really any indication that the rich guy is smug, pompous, manipulative, cruel, like the stereotypical Wall Street broker you see in the movies trying to destroy people. He just looks like a guy who's got his eyes closed. Doors of his heart are shut. I mean, he's nicely dressed. He's eating well. He's building up abundance. You might say that, say that he shares the family characteristics of his other parable cousin, you know, the guy who built extra barns so he could store all of his good stuff for later. His focus is on his achievement, the deposits of victories he puts into his account and just oblivious to how much of his own prosperity inter interacts with anybody else. But if he could see beyond himself, he might see Lazarus. Yeah, the poor guy has a name. It's Lazarus. It's a good name. It's a take on Eleazar, which means God helps. A little foreshadowing there. God helps. It's not the same Lazarus as the man we hear in John's Gospel. Jesus rose from the dead, whose sister had enough money to buy expensive oil to anoint Jesus' feet. This figure in Luke's gospel 
boy, he's got it rough. Health struggles, physical disabilities, open sores, survives off of soiled bread. Like people would use bread to wipe up grease, clean their hands and throw it in the garbage like a napkin. And that's what he would eat. And although he camps out right here on this rich man's property, they never speak to each other. Their lives are separated by a gate, or maybe you would say a chasm of life. Chasm of life. The Torah, the book of God, is before them. The voice of God proclaiming to its readers, to the community, life and fullness is received through caretaking of the poor. The Spirit of God is calling out from this word. But it's not being heard. And poor Lazarus' life ends prematurely. Starvation, disease, cold, dogs, we don't know. Too soon. He was gone too soon. But he's rescued quickly by the angels of God, reminiscent to other figures in scripture who are released from earth into heaven. Enoch, Elijah, Moses. The meaning of his name, Lazarus, is fulfilled. God rescues he feasts at the heavenly banquet. Meanwhile, the rich man dies too. Heart disease, maybe? Obesity? High blood pressure from the stress, the anxiety of maintaining his position? I, I don't know. He's buried in his beautiful purple robes. Assumes his position in Hades where he is beginning to feel the torment. The two men's positions have been reversed, haven't they? But nothing's really changed. I mean, still in character, the rich man tries to order Lazarus, hey, come down and help me, serve me, quench my thirst. For his whole life, he's been commanding others, validating himself with statements such as, I have so much, so I am much, my earnings, my position create meaning, serve me. But now he's, he's introduced to God's reality, which is a new, new way of looking at things, new set of priorities. Something he could have seen all along, but he just didn't have the eyes to notice. And now, ooh, it's a reckoning now. Suddenly, with God's paradise at stake, he turns his attention briefly away from himself. Oh, so open-minded now. I'm not only about me. I'm worried about my brothers, who are also rich. <laughs> but please give them the message. Still no remorse <laughs> For his utter disregard of Lazarus, seeing the poor as his errand runner, his water boy, Jesus has this broader vision of community and care and embrace. The rich guy's not there yet. He hasn't quite changed enough to catch that vision. His request to send an envoy to his brothers is rejected. And he's distressed. He knows his brothers suffer from the same Cataracts that he has, not physical, spiritual, that despite God in their midst, they are not looking. Even though God is alive in the scripture that they proclaim in the synagogue, they are not hearing. They can't gather themselves to perceive God's presence and providence as the clearest form of joy. In order to grasp what God could do, the rich guy says, make a miracle happen, show them something with the same production value that fits nicely into the big budget of our lives. 
then they'll repent. I haven't heard that word yet till the very end. The rich guy never says that he's on that track. But maybe my brothers, maybe they'll repent. You know what that word means. Turn, turn around, new orientation, new focus. They haven't been looking in the right way. They've seen the band and the cars and the children. They didn't see their own family. <laughs> They're not looking. Maybe, though, if you do something miraculous, they'll open their eyes. Jesus is impossible. Ask to us, you know, the title of our sermon series, you want me to do what now? It's to make a, a new shift, a commitment to, to realize how God is operating in our lives, but without any new additional miracles because we already we already have his presence we already have his revelation we already there are already glimpses of new life flourishing hope expanding salvation coming forth we could recognize that right now in the holy word in in remembered lyrics in service we do in the community in worship shared prayer recited eating of bread, drinking of cup, an awakening. Amy Odin, who's a seminary professor, says we get so caught up in our own success stories that we miss the real story of our lives. So I wonder, what, what has been your version of a success story? You know, how, how do you define your life at its best? What are the qualities? What do you have to pour into it? Sweat and tears, worry, to get that best life. What does it look like to arrive? I reflected on that just a little bit. First things that came to my mind. High aptitude at work. Being more organized. Getting more members in the church. Leading the congregation better. Raising high-achieving children. Paying off debt. Being connected with organizations that win. It's a little narrowness there. It, it neglects some things, doesn't it? Relationship with the cross. Comforts and joys that are pretty narrowly focused on me. The successful life. You know, how does that include others, community, the high life? What are the other people involved in that vision? Is it only for you, those in your immediate care, the good life, the perfect life, and my family? Or does it involve fullness, joy, provision for, say, the type of people that live at the room in the inn, too? Audrey West is correct when she says, A chasm expands every time we ignore another's need and revel instead in our own good fortune. But God wants to get through to everyone, even after so many failures, to show us a new story. The real story. What is that real story God is trying to tell you about the meaning of your life? What other authorities 
voices, dominions, are making it so hard to hear that story. Dominions of death, or greediness, or fear, or the pressure of getting your agenda through, making life how you want it, being in control. And Jesus says, make a turn. Repent. Leave those preoccupations. Give all that influence to this new power. Give way to those temptations that drain you. Those things that close your heart and your mind and your time and your wallet and your emotional bank. The door of yourself to others. Give that up for the new author who has a pen writing a new story for you. The new builder who is creating a bridge to close that chasm between you and God. A new optometrist giving you the lenses you really need to see what you've been missing. This is the breath prayer I've tried to develop for myself a little this week. Other dominions and distractions must go. Christ put your vision other dominions and distractions must go. Christ, put your vision in me. Maybe I'm speaking that too well. Money, you won't rule me. You won't cause me to envy. Distractions and dominions must go. Christ, put your vision in me. Maybe I'm saying that to poverty. Poverty, I won't let your sorrow rule over me. I won't let you say that I am nothing because of you. Other dominions and distractions must go. Christ, put your vision in me. Maybe I'm talking to illness. Bodily weakness, you do not define my value. You do not take away my God-given joy. Dominions and distractions, go. Christ, put your victory in me. Or maybe I'm speaking to my own sense of strength. Physical aptitude. Mental brilliance. Muscles and minds, you are a great gift. But you don't make me more worthy or capable than others. Because I know folks whose movement and memory has declined. So you dominions, you distractions must go. And Christ, put your victory, your vision in me. All of us have a route every day. And that route takes us into interactions with other people God has placed there. Other words other sounds of God's voice. Along that route are opportunities to worship and to serve and to pray and to forgive. Along that route are occasions to bring evidence to hope and joy. All along those routes are many invitations to find your real life story with God. That kind of homecoming story. May we see it clearly as God provides the vision for I want to invite us into a time of prayer here as we come into the second half of our service here. We're going to have a time of community prayer. We'll read a prayer together. I'll offer some words of assurance to the congregation. And then we will have an opportunity to sing a hymn. And during that space, you can sing as your prayer. You can just think. Feel free to come forward and pray at the altar. Use your own breath prayer or the one that I've used this week. 
May we find space to renew our commitment to the one who gives us a true vision of what full and best life looks like. To claim that for ourselves here this morning. So let us pray together, opening our minds to God's word. For God, you call us to trust you in every circumstance of our lives. And yet far too often we do not. In times of oppression and strife, we lose hope in our future. When enduring natural disasters, suffering illness, or facing death, we often grow bitter and forget your love. Stripped of the idols of our wealth and status, we try in vain to control our lives. Eager to be powerful and successful, we wander away from you falling into the pain of addiction or greed or blind ambition. Absorbed by our wants and desires, we are blind to those around us who need our care. Forgive us, O oh God. Forgive our despair, our bitterness, our fear. Turn our hearts to you that we may taste fullness of life and trust in your provision. The God of salvation who does desire everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth offers forgiveness to each of us through the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We are grateful that over and over again we are given this chance to begin anew. Nothing that we have done can separate us from God's love. All we do is call and God answers us. Answers us with rescue Forgiveness, mercy, life, salvation for the Lazarus is out there. Lifted up. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite you in time into this time of singing and prayer and reflection.
Well, this morning I'm excited for our congregation and for three individuals who uh, would like to confess their love for Christ this morning and joining our church. So I'll invite Marilyn and Randy and Felicia to come forward so that we may share in their uh, membership vows with them today. Good morning, good morning. We should have had some special music play for that little walk as you came forward this morning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the reaffirmation of faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism and acknowledge what God is doing for us and showing us as we reaffirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. So today I present Randall and Marilyn Bradley, welcome, transferring from Tapestry Church, Disciples of Christ, and Felicia Howells-Hilger, coming as a profession of faith. So good morning. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you these questions. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Christ, Jesus Christ, as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, promise to serve him as Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? According to the grace given to you, will you remain a faithful member of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representative in the world? Okay. Now, will you also be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? If so, say, I will. And as members of University Heights United Methodist Church, will you participate faithfully in, your, in the ministries by praying, by being present, sharing your gifts, your service, and your witness. If so, say, I will. Do you as Christ's body also reaffirm your rejection of sin and your acceptance of Christ as Lord this morning? If so, say, we do. We do. All right. And will you nurture one another in Christian fellowship, including these individuals in your care? You take care of them? Good. I hope so. All right. Well, I commend them to you, that you will care them, these that are joining in membership this morning, you will pray for them, you will invite them into fellowship, you will invite them into service, and you will confirm them and perfect them in love. Ooh, that's a challenge. Perfect you in love. We are all on our way to becoming more like Jesus. Let's reaffirm with these words on the screen our commitment to, to the call in this church. We give thanks for all that God has already given you. We welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ and in this Heights United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness that in everything, God may be glorified in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, wonderful. Blessings. It's official. It has a seal, so that means something, right? <laughs> we welcome you. Thanks for your already involvement in the life of the church. I'm glad we could do this in a, a formal way here today, this morning. So will you praise God for these new members and the family? Thank you.
got that now, right? Prayers, presents, gifts, service, and witness. We can do that. We can do that together. Wealth, status, and success are uncertain, but we can trust in God's abundant provision and God's desire that we enjoy what we have. We respond by working for justice, living generously, and sharing with others. Let us receive our offering this morning. Father God, it is with grateful hearts that we bring our tithes and offerings to your, your altar today. We are so grateful for the amazing love that you have shown for us in giving us your son who died for our sins that we might have salvation, for the Holy Spirit, for all of the many ways that you help us. And... <clears throat> 
reiterating what pastor said already. Let us respond by working for justice, living generously, and sharing with others. Amen. Well, perhaps your takeaway was, I really need to try a s'mores donut. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Or maybe, you know, I do push the snooze alarm on my clock a lot. Maybe I need to get better sleep. I also hope that you hear a word from God, that he is giving you great words of encouragement, of 
vision of life that is full and blessed, here and now, and that carries into eternity. May we be the people with eyes to see and serve as though we have seen the love of God in our lives. Go forth in his strength today. Amen.